Hello and welcome to another Minutes with Maurice podcast. Today I hope to inject some levity into your possibly boring everyday interactions. Humor is a personal reaction to a series of words or actions. Because a podcast is 100% audio, I will bring you a series of audio comments that I consider worth sharing. They are not all my creations, but are a compilation of what I think might bring you a chuckle or two. It has all long been said that the English language is one of the most difficult languages to learn. In support of that thought, I offer you these examples of our confusing English language sentences using words with the same spelling or sound. So, here we go. The bandage wound, uh, see, I got that wrong already. The bandage wound around the wound. And of course, wound is spelled the same way. The farm was cultivated to produce produce. Well, isn't that confusing? Same word, different meaning. The dump was so full, the workers had to refuse more refuse. She wanted to polish the Polish furniture. He could lead if he would get the lead out. The soldier decided to direct his fatty dessert in the desert. How's that one? You want me to repeat that? The soldier decided to desert his fatty dessert in the desert. That'll confuse a newbie. Since there was no time, he thought there was no better time to present the present to his girlfriend. And you figure out which words or word are similar or identical. When shot at, the dove dove into the bushes. I did not object to the object which he showed me. The insurance was invalid because he was an invalid. Again, same word, different meaning. And the last one, Jim went to the gym, so I went with him. Oh, yay. That'll confuse everybody. All right, that's, that's enough on that, those sentences. Uh, but, you know, from those confusing examples, uh, let's examine the world of malapropisms. Oh, that's a big word, isn't it? And what is a malapropism? Malapropism finds its origins in the French phrase mal a propos, which means inappropriate. It is the use of an incorrect word in place of a similar sounding word, which results in a nonsensical 
and humorous expression. The word malapropization comes from Mrs. Malaprop, a character in Sheridan's comedy, The Rivals, who has a habit of replacing words with incorrect and absurd utterances, producing a humorous effect. A misspeech is considered malapropism when it sounds similar to the word it replaces, but has an entirely different meaning. For instance, replacing acute with obtuse is not a malapropism, because the words have contrasting meanings, but do not sound similar. Using obtuse for abstruse, on the other hand, is a malapropism as there is a difference in meanings and both words sound similar. These characteristics make malapropism different from other errors in speech, as such as egg comms and spoonerisms. Malapropism is a common phenomenon in our daily life. We find some hilarious malapropism examples by <laughs> quoted in the media. Here's an example. The, meet, the magazine News Scientist reports one of its employees calling his colleague a supp supp suppository of knowledge. Well, I think we all could figure out that what he meant to say was a repository of knowledge. Richard Daly, the former mayor of Chicago, is said to have called a tandem bicycle a tantrum bicycle, and to also have incorrectly used the word alcoholics unanimous <laughs> rather than alcoholics anonymous. Bertie Ahern is said to have given a warning to his country against upsetting the apple tart. Well, of his country's economic success, of course, he meant apple cart. Cheer up as an example of predicate, a final victory. His capacity for hard labor is incredulous. Actually, it should have been incredible. This does not portend to be a great work of art, and the word should have been pretend. And fortuitously, fortunately for her, she won the sweepstakes. You see the difference? One was she was lucky, and the other one is a different way of saying she was lucky. Okay, there were examples of, and there are examples in literature. In literature, malapropism is employed to create humorous effect. In his novel, The Rivals, Richard Sheridan introduces a character, Mrs. Malaprop, who habitually uses words that mean quite the opposite to the words she intends to use but which have similar sounds to the words she replaces. It becomes a great source of humorous effect in the play, 
Uh, for an example, in Act 3, Scene 3, she tells Captain Absolute, Sure, if I reprehend anything in this world, it is the use of my oracular tongue and a nice derangement of epithets. And so she comically replaces apprehend with reprehend, vernacular with oracular, an arrangement with derangement, and epithets with epitaph. Some other funny examples of malapropism is the same in the same play include illiterate, meant to say obliterate him quite from your memory. And she's as headstrong as an allegory when she really meant to say alligator. And then in the uh, play of Much Ado About Nothing, Shakespeare uses malapropism in his play as well. In the following example, malapropism uttered by Constable Dogberry in Act 3, Scene 5 of Much Ado About Nothing, Our watch, sir, have indeed comprehended two auspicious persons. <laughs> Notice the use of comprehended for apprehended and auspicious for suspicious. Similarly, an instance of malapropism can be observed in Act 1, Scene 3 of Twelfth Night. Sir Toby Betch says, By his hand, they are scoundrels and subtractors. They say so of him. Who are they? The malapropism here is subtractors, which should have been detractors. And yet another example comes from the same character in Act 1, Scene 5 of the same play. Cousin, cousin, how have you come so early by this lethargy? <laughs> Sir Toby Belch responds, Lechery, I defy lechery. Here, the use of lechery instead of lethargy is a malapropism, and the proper pronouncement is lethargy. Okay, in chapter 33 of Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, and Sally can be spotted using a malapropism, she says, I was most putrefied with astonishment. Here, the use of the word putrefied is a malapropism, as it seems she was thinking of petrified. Although it is considered an error in speech, malapropism is a great source of human humor in both everyday life and literature. And in daily life, malapropisms are often unintentional but writers include malapropism in their literary works intentionally to produce comic effect. It ensures the attention of the readers as it inserts an extra element of interest in a little literary piece. This is the reason why the characters using hilarious malapropisms are well known.
Oh, let's consider some words. If we take a look at prosperous versus preposterous, and then the sentence he says, all he ever wanted in life was to become preposterous. Well, that's kind of silly. A malaprop's comedic effect is particularly strong when misaligned words clash the way they do in this example. Monotony means being married to one person. Ah, but the author meant monotonous versus monogamous. A large difference. How about installation versus insulation? And Mike Smith, an NFL coach, was quoted as saying, these coats got lots of installation, when he really meant insulation. And the obvious differences in meaning don't come keep some people from getting those mixed up. How about erratic versus erotic? <laughs> One was quoted as saying, our loving was erratic. And another, his public behavior has been bizarre and erotic. In this example, two very similar words, one meaning unstable and the other a carnal form of love, comic results when used as a malapropism. And another one, how about stature versus statue? He was a man of great statue. The influence of a person versus an inanimate representation of the same, these words have created at least one memorable unintended malapropism birthed by Boston Mayor Thomas Menino. All right, so now we have, let me find myself here. I got to take a break and make sure I, don't screw you up. Okay, so what I want to do here is talk about one more difference in the English language. And, you know, we, we have a historical gentleman. Um, and he actually lived, of course, you'll all know as soon as I tell you. But, how about Yogi Berra? God bless Yogi Berra, because he not only was a great ball player, he was known as much for his wit as for his Hall of Flame fame. See there? There's an unintended malapropism when I said the Hall of Flame baseball talents, and I really meant Hall of Fame. His yogi-isms are some of the most well-known quotes around. Even if he didn't, you didn't know they came from yogi. But witty quotes are not the only thing worth remembering about Yogi Berra. At only five feet, eight inches tall, he was nonetheless a giant of a man. Yogi left school after eighth grade to provide for his family 
who was barely living above the poverty level. Later in life, he served his country bravely in, in World War II and was part of the D-Day invasion in France. But when it comes to the game of baseball, Yogi is on the shortest list of time achievements. A three-time MVP, he was perhaps the most dangerous lifetime 285 hitter in baseball history, playing in 75 World Series games with a base hit in an amazing 71 of them. As a manager, he took both the New York Yankees and New York Mets to the World Series. But aside from all of Barry's Barra's accomplishments on and off the baseball diamond, he may be best known for some of the greatest quotes in American lexicon. Why there while there are many my top choices are not necessarily in any sequence of importance, but here they go. And these are quotes from Yogi Berra. When you come to a fork in a road, take it. You can observe a lot by just watching. And of course, the old one, it ain't over till it's over. And we made too many wrong mistakes. No one goes there nowadays. It's too crowded. I always thought the record would stand until it was broken. Love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good too. In theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. And then, uh, here's a short one, pair up in threes. Another one, you've got to be very careful if you don't know where you are going because you might not get there. The future ain't what it used to be. I usually take a two-hour nap from one to four. If the world was perfect, it wouldn't be. You don't have to swing hard to hit a home run. If you got the timing, it'll go. Never answer an anonymous letter. Don't you just love that one? Why buy good luggage? You only use it when you travel. And take it with a grin of salt. Notice the change in the word. Not grain, but grin. And here's one. It gets late early out here. I never said most of the things I said. And, of course, the one that is probably the most remembered, it's deja vu all over again. So, folks, that's where we're at with all of these differences in English and how difficult it is for folks to learn. Uh, I, I really hope you have enjoyed this short diversion 
as you move through the day of your life. Remember, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow never comes. So make the best of today while you can and while you have it. Thanks for listening to today's Minutes with Maurice podcast. Be sure to click on forward for my next podcast. And also, make sure you follow Shirley with Shirley for her upcoming podcast. Until then, I am Maurice St. Germain.